0: It's time to swing into the golf world of today with Springdale Golf Live on Fox Sports 920 The Jersey, sponsored by TaylorMade and the New Jersey Golf Foundation. Now here's your host, the Director of Fun, Keith Stewart. Members, friends, and players, good afternoon and welcome to Springdale Golf Live. I'm your host, Keith Stewart, the Director of Fun, and I'll be here entertaining you on this Friday afternoon. Thank you for tuning into Fox Sports 920 The Jersey. Well, it's Memorial Day weekend, the weather plans to be perfect, I hope everyone listening is feeling well. I thought I would uh, play a little patriotic tune in honor of our military, the healthcare workers, and frankly, you know, anyone who has worked so hard to help us come out of this better than we started. You know, I always say, make the comeback better than the setback. Enjoy our national anthem, and God bless America. Today's show is going to be great fun. My guest is someone who I know very well. He's our superintendent at Springdale Golf Club. His name is Donovan McGuigan. His personal interests are as varied as the landscape he maintains. I'm not sure how many different directions this conversation will go. Donovan's a vinyl album collector, an amateur photographer, craft beer connoisseur, golf architect aficionado, dedicated dog owner, and the list just goes on and on. Since there's so much to cover, let's just get started. Donovan, I know you're on the line. Welcome to Springdale Golf Live. How are you today?
1: Keith, I'm doing awesome. I'm really excited to be on here with you.
0: Well, you know what? We work together every day, and I am super excited to have you on the show as well. And, you know, this stemmed from one of the many conversations we've had at the club. And, you know, lately, with all that's going on in the world, we've had more time to talk than we usually do you know, it got me thinking. I said, you know what? I said, I-, I think I could have a really interesting conversation with our man Donovan. And I think that our members would really enjoy getting to know you a little bit more. So first and foremost, how are you doing? Your family's doing well. Everyone's doing good.
1: Yeah. I mean, one thing I keep saying when people ask me how I'm doing is that all things considered, we're actually doing really, really well. Like I can say that all of my family is currently safe. Uh, my fiance, Jan and myself and our, our pet is fine as well. Emerson, our new dog. Um, we're just doing spectacular right now.
0: Well, I I appreciate you sharing all that with us, and I know that the members do as well, and they want to know that you're safe and that, you know, your extended family is safe as well. Now, you have been at Springdale for about a year and a half, and one of the things I want to touch on to get this conversation going and, and, you know, open up to the masses here is that in all that time, you know, you you could, let's do a little self-assessment here. What are a couple of things that you are most proud of that you've accomplished to date here at the Dale?
1: Um, something that really jumps out at me right away was last year's Springdale Invitational. Um, to see the, the happiness that I saw in a lot of the members as they discussed with me the condition of the golf course, that they were showcasing this golf course to their guests that they had brought with them, and just the, uh, the outpouring of support that I got from the membership about where they felt the golf course was for that key event. And then it kind of wrapped up in as well at the end of the season with the Consoli Cup where, you know, I was, I was very humble. I'm not a big person that loves a lot of compliments. I don't, I don't take compliments. Well, it's just, I think my personality and I, the members were so nice to give me a standing ovation at the console cup dinner. And, you know, I, I don't think I've ever had that in my career. And it was such a touching moment for me and to have the golf course in a safe and a condition that the members are that appreciative of it. And that they, they are willing to give you that kind of feedback for it. it makes me feel really proud of what we have done here so far just in this year and a half at Springdale.
0: Well, I'm fortunate enough to say that i was I was around for both of those events, and I experienced them with you so I, I think those that's a great answer to that. and you know a, a lot of our listeners obviously are members at the club and you know maybe they don't know enough of your background, you know where I am in the shop every day or around the clubhouse. I have a lot of conversations with members, and of course, I've been here now you know eleven and a half years. so people have gotten to know me, but Uh, In the time that you've been here, maybe a lot of members haven't gotten to know you as well as, you know, maybe they know myself or some of the other employees. So why don't you take a moment and let us know, like, you know, where'd you grow up? And just start there. Where are you from? Um, I'm,
1: I grew up in Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, I was born in Columbus, Ohio, but I've lived in, I lived in Delaware since I was two years old. So I've always associated myself as being a Delawarean. So,
0: so that leads me to the next question. So if you were, you were born in Columbus, I know you went to Ohio state. Is that what led Mm -hmm. you back to Ohio state?
1: Uh, for the most part. Yeah. So I, I, my parents would laugh when I would say part of it was maybe the football program too, because I do love Ohio state football. But, uh, the primary reason would be, I guess the connection that I had back to my hometown. Mm -hmm.
0: You know, you said Ohio State a couple times there without the the. Yeah, I know. I was Just throwing it out there.
1: <laughs> I, I try not to do that because I know, I, I know that I, I, for all I know, I could come home tonight. My diploma is off the wall for not using that. So I guess we'll see what happens. So. <laughs>
0: all right. Well, we'll test that out. I'll, I'll find out. I'm sure this weekend. All right. So now were you interested in agronomy before you went to Ohio State or did that come about while you were there? Um, talk to me about that.
1: Uh, my initial degree when I was at Ohio State was landscape architecture um, from while I was in, I'd say, early high school when I discovered that I wanted to go into golf course architecture. That was what I really wanted to be. I wanted to be a Donald Ross or William Flynn or a Pete Dye. Um, while I was at Ohio State, I did the two years of the, or the first year of like the pre-landscape architecture program. I submitted a portfolio and then I got into the program and I did another year of landscape architecture. During that time that I was in landscape architecture, I was also working summers at Tupont Country Club back in Wilmington after the, uh, the director of grounds operations, John Goslin, who's currently at Aronimek Country Club, um, offered to me a job on the grounds crew. And he said, well, come out here and see what it's like maintaining the golf course. Because at that point, I just worked in golf shops. I was parking carts. I was doing your kind of um, entry into the golf course industry positions. Um, while working on those summers, I got, kind of got bit by the bug as far as understanding the agronomics and the turf of working on a golf course. And I kind of had a slow transition when I went my second year at Ohio state, I discovered that I liked the agronomy side of it. I like the plant side of it more. And, um, I was fortunate to have a lot of people that talked to me and said that like, well, you can still go into golf course architecture without a landscape architecture degree. You can go into some kind of design. You can work on the meat and potatoes part or the nuts and bolts. Of the construction elements and kind of make a transition to that part of the career. So the real watershed moment for me was when I did my internship at Marion Golf Club, which was after my junior year at Ohio State, after my first full year in the actual turfgrass program there, and I was pretty much sold at that point.
0: So you have this pivot moment at Marion. Was there a mentor or a person there that kind of opened up your mind to say you were going to go more the agronomy side than the architecture side?
1: Um, I hate to say that there really wasn't a person that really like flipped the switch for me. Um, I want to say it was just kind of my exposure to it. I think that I enjoyed being on that side of the elements more. And then another huge change for me was when I got out of school and I was working at Bitterman golf course and my boss there, uh, John Urbanski, we were part of a a sympathetic restoration to bring it back to the original Dick Wilson design that was there and to see, and to be part of just the initial stages of that, because that was a multi-year project um, changed everything for me and my perspective of what I enjoyed about being on the golf course. And like, there was, you know, I've had a lot of hard summers since then my first couple summers in there, you know, when I was at Marion, I was very green. I didn't really know very much about the agronomy side. And I, <laughs> the director of grounds operation there, Matt Schaefer, I saw him a couple of years later and I apologized to him and said that I was sorry that I was so green and I didn't feel like I knew what I was doing. And my favorite quote that he ever said to me was like, well, you're honest about it. You told me you didn't know anything. So at least he's like, I can work with that. So it's 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 kind of crazy but i i I, like i said marion was kind of the watershed moment and then getting out of school was where it really changed over for me and you know i don't think that if i stayed in landscape architecture i'd be as happy as i am right now doing this part of it
0: well you know i I mean we're definitely all grateful that you are in the (laughs) economy side of things here at springdale and folks if you can't recognize that very familiar voice that is donovan mcguigan he's the superintendent springdale golf club as well as an eagle scout you know, there's only what, like about a million of those in the yeah. world, right? So that's a pretty cool factoid that I learned about our superintendent as I did a little research on him. Uh, my folks here at Fox Sports, the data team, they are they do, they do quite extensive research, which is fantastic. All right. So you talked about being at Marion, Bitterman, all of these great places, um, studying agronomy and uh, golf course architecture at Ohio State. What's your favorite part of a golf course? That's a really tough question. Yeah. Um... It's not that tough. You just right. pay, you <laughs> pick
1: apart. <laughs> I, I mean, obviously, since the majority of the game is played on the greens, and I feel that the greens can have one of the biggest impacts on the way that the game is played, I would say that greens on a golf course are usually the first thing that I notice and the first thing that I attract to. If they're large greens, if they're small greens, if they're undulating greens, if they're deceptively simple-looking greens, you know, working at Seaview, seeing the Ross greens that are there, working now here at a Flynn course and seeing the difference between the Flynn course, Marion's Hugh Wilson designs. I think it's just – Greens, to me, I think, are the biggest defining factor of a golf course. And I think that that would be my favorite part.
0: All right. What's the most difficult part to take care of in a golf course? Bunkers. In what way? Explain it to me more in layman's terms.
1: Bunkers are extremely labor intensive. Um, There's been a transition over the last, uh, I don't know, a couple decades to where bunkers have become extremely high maintenance. And there's been a lot of advancements in helping in prevent those from needing, you know, from preventing sand contamination, preventing washouts, you know, improving bunker quality. And every golf course that I've ever been at, including Springdale, we put a lot of labor into those bunkers to try to get them in the shape that they're in. And the older the golf course, the more challenging they become. Even brand new bunkers that are on a golf course that are just built in the last couple of years are also challenging as well. And they're just, it, it, you have to pour so much labor into them too for something that is a hazard. But there's an expectation of what those conditions in those bunkers should be. And as a result of that, they need to be at a certain caliber in order for that bunker to be, you know, because I think more people will complain about a footprint in a bunker than they would about a, you know, excessive divots in a fairway, I think.
0: You know, you're probably right about that. And I was just curious. It's not often I get to interview a superintendent. So um you know, I, I've got like a million questions for you um, just about the golf course in general. And, and, you know, you've worked at some fabulous places. And one of the places that you've worked at was the View Hotel down in um, near Atlantic City in southern New Jersey. And they host a professional event. They host the ShopRite LPGA Classic. And I'm just curious, having worked at a place that hosts a tour event, is there much that you were doing different at Seaview for something like a tour event? I, I'm sure that the quantity of work probably is increased um, during an event like that. But overall, like creating the conditions for the shop rate, right? is it much different than what you do on a daily basis at Springdale? Uh,
1: it actually really isn't. I think you nailed that on the head when you said quantity. Um, what I How I explain to people when we talk about the maintenance that we would do there, we just increase the frequency in which we were doing things. You know, in a typical week, we'll mow... You know, once a day and then maybe roll every other day or roll every day. We're in a tournament setting. We're mowing twice a day, rolling twice a day, sometimes even double cutting, maybe like double cutting both times. So you're mowing those greens four times in a day, twice in the morning, twice in the afternoon, um, you're mowing your fairways almost every single day, sometimes again at night. You know, there's a lot of work that goes into and I, you're exactly right. It's it's a lot of repetition of the same exact jobs to keep that condition absolutely perfect. I mean, you could be mowing a green and getting absolutely nothing for clippings, but those extra clippings that you're getting, those little bits of the leaf blade that you're cutting off can have a huge impact on those green speeds for a tour level player than what they're looking for.
0: Well, there you have it, Uh Springdale faithful, the golf course itself is being treated such that we're ready to host a tour event. So I I, uh, I got him on record with that one. Now, speaking of being on record, we are here with Donovan McGuigan, and he is the superintendent at Springdale Golf Club. And I want to have some fun with you for a second. Uh, I want you to go back and talk to your younger self, right? And be brief with these answers, but I, I want you to go back. And what advice would you give yourself on the first day of going to school at Ohio State?
1: Uh, be sure to say the Ohio State University. So. <laughs>
0: how, about, how about your first job coming out of school? What advice would you give yourself then?
1: Nothing is ever easy in the turf grass industry. Everything is complicated.
0: Expound upon that for a second.
1: Nothing is ever A plus B equals C. There's always A plus B divided by Y times X divided by two multiplied to the square root of this. There's nothing okay, is ever. Okay, if, enough with yeah. the math. Yeah. <laughs> nothing is ever, uh, there, you know, like, uh, you know, to. To quote Ty Webb, you know, like uh, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line in the opposite direction, that kind of stuff. Like, there's no A to B in turf grass. I can say that, you know, there's nothing that's simple in turf grass. There's so many factors that come into it. And that's, I think, the biggest challenge of my
0: job. Uh, you're going to talk to yourself the first day that you're at Springdale. What do you say? Uh,
1: mistakes aren't the end of the world. That's what I would say. So, because we.
0: Yeah, I like it. I like that. and You know what else I like? I like that. We have Donovan McGuigan on air with us today. Now we have to take a quick break to let our sponsors do their thing. So could you hold on for a second there, Donovan? I'll be right here. All right, man. Well, I appreciate that. You know, folks, it's 316 p.m. here in Princeton. Thanks for listening to Fox Sports 920 of the Jersey. Be back in a moment with more from Springdale's spectacular superintendent. The New Jersey Golf Foundation, the charitable arm of the NJPA section, is committed to positively impacting lives and communities through the game of golf. With a focus on three core pillars, youth, military, and special needs, the NJGF delivers dynamic programming under the guidance of PGA professionals so individuals from all backgrounds can experience the game of golf in a welcoming environment. To support the NJGF or learn more about programming, and special events, visit njgolffoundation.org. That's njgolffoundation.org. Rich in distinguished history for nearly 125 years, Springdale Golf Club and its members have been beautifully making their mark as the best golf and social experience in our region. Our impact in the industry does not stop there. Did you know about the benefits that extend beyond the boundaries of the club through its agreement with Troon Purvey, The private club operating division of Troon Golf Management. Springdale's walkable and superbly conditioned William Flynn design course, now combined with Troon's operational expertise, are taking the club to the next level in our commitments to the member experience. Just announced as a significant expansion to the True and Purvey Privileges Program. This Vanguard service initiative includes enhanced golf and lifestyle benefits that extend far beyond the fairways. For more information about our club and all the incredible moments being made at Springdale Golf Club and through True and Purvey, please take a visit of our website at www.springdalegc.org forward slash True Let's get back on course as Springdale Golf Live continues on Fox Sports 920 The Jersey once again, Keith Stewart. Welcome back to Springdale Golf Live. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. You know me as the director of fun. You're listening to Fox Sports 920, The Jersey. Hey. You know it, it's Memorial Day weekend. And although we may not be barbecuing in a large group, that doesn't mean you can't pop outside right now in your yard, turn up this classic. Summer's here, folks. on course with Donovan McGuigan, superintendent at Springdale, our amazing agronomist. We've covered his background and his day-to-day. Now it's time to get more into the man that manicures our grounds, Donovan. All right, so I mentioned this in the opening. You have so many different hobbies, interests, etc. but the one that has really caught the eye of the internet lately, as I like to say from time to time, is your affinity for photography. And you have a drone now, and you've been taking a lot of pictures of the golf course, but you take a lot of pictures in general, those that follow you on social media. How'd you get into photography?
1: Um, I've had a camera for a really long time, which I'm actually surprised given how expensive film used to be to develop back in the 90s when I was growing up. But my parents did give me, I had a small, it was a red uh, manual operated little camera, no, no zoom on it. And I remember taking pictures. I used to like black and white film when I would find it. And uh, I've always kind of been I've always had a camera since then. And like when I was in the Boy Scouts, I was like our historian for the for the for our troops. I would take photographs there. And it's always just kind of been an interest of mine, too. And I think smartphones and digital cameras kind of really allowed me to really explore that now because I wasn't limited by being able to take 36 pictures with a roll of film.
0: All right. So, you know, people say, if you, it depends on what you read, but there's like roughly a billion pictures taken a day with all the smartphones that are out there. So we're all in a way, amateur photographers, being that you are definitely next level compared to my photography ability. What advice would you have for me when I'm taking my pictures? I mean, I've got two kids, I have a dog. Uh, I go to a lot of you know, beautiful places, golf courses, or I'm at Springdale every day. What advice would you have for me as a novice photographer?
1: Um, One thing I always tell people is to frame the photo well, like try to make sure that when you're taking a picture, think of every time that somebody's ever shown you a photo and you've looked at it being like, well, what are they trying to show me with this picture? Like there's so much going on here. Try to put like a subject in the foreground or try to put focus on something that is the focus of that picture. Um, Like I said, if you're out with your dog, you want to focus on the dog and the photograph, or if your dog is near someplace beautiful, make sure that the dog is framed so that you see the dog, but also see the stuff that's in the background as well. And then because we have smartphones and digital cameras now that can take numerous photos, you can take thousands of photos and still have plenty of space on any storage area. I always recommend bracketing, which is actually taking multiple photographs of the same thing, maybe tweaking the light, trying the flash, turning the camera, doing what you need to do to try to take a best picture and then trim from those pictures the best of those photographs. Because I can say that a lot of times if I take a photograph of something and I look at it later on my Google Photos or look at on my cell phone, I'm like, hey, I kind of like that picture better than the other one. Sometimes that first photo that you take isn't the best photo. So sometimes changing up your settings and taking things multiple, taking multiple photos of the same thing can sometimes give you the opportunity to find a better photo almost by accident.
0: What a great explanation. And it reminds me of a lot of the pictures and, and stuff that you've been posting lately online. If Folks, if you haven't checked him out, he's got some great footage. So I thought it would be something cool for us to discuss. And you know what else is something cool that just recently happened is that this past Sunday, golf returned, in a manner of speaking, uh, when they had the little event down there, TaylorMade's Driving Relief, that was held at Seminole Golf Club. And I wanted to touch upon that. What did you think about that event on Sunday afternoon? The golf, in particular, to start with, did did you enjoy it? Did you get to see some of it?
1: Uh, I watched a little bit of it. Um, I think it was awesome. I think it was great for golf. I think that you know, as we start to kind of return to normalcy, or as we start to return to our new normal, I think that those little starting to recapture some of the things that we had before all of this happened, which includes watching golf on television. I think, I mean, we all would love to watch the 86 masters over and over and over again, but um, I would, it's great to see actual live golf. And then I think for them, the way that they presented that, that it was, you know, you had tour players in shorts, you had tour players carrying their own bags at a golf course that as far as I can know, I don't think has ever seen been on television before or used for an event at all. I think that, to be able to have access to a property such as Seminole, to see that, I, I think is amazing. And I think it's wonderful for golf. And I think that it's it's a it's a sign that I think we're going to make it out of this okay. I mean, there's I don't think we're completely out of the woods yet, but I feel like there is kind of a light at the end of the tunnel now. And sometimes something as simple as a golf tournament can do that.
0: All right, let me jump right in there. Now, you talked about Seminole, mm-hmm. right? Is that the first time you'd ever seen it? Correct. That is the first time I'd ever seen it. All right. So I'm, I'm interested being someone who's into golf course architecture. It's a Donald Ross design. It's been famous for years. And yes, you, you are correct. It's the first time it's ever been on television. And it will again next year uh, when they host the Walker cup in 2021. But what was your first impression of the golf course?
1: Um, well, I saw it actually before the event was actually hosted on YouTube. Uh, the PGA tour had done some flyovers with drones of each of the holes. So that was the first kind of experience that I saw of it. And I I haven't played a lot of golf in Florida, so every time I see a golf course in Florida, it's usually on television, whether it's like Bay Hill or if it's um, like TPC Sawgrass. And I was – there's like a unique look to that golf course that it's a combination of that highly manicured look that you see down there. But at the same time, you have these nice, beautiful sand waste areas. And then you have like a classic layout by a classic American architect, potentially one of the greatest in golf course architecture history in the United States especially. And I, I was blown away by the way that the course looked and it, it, it it has that private kind of design look to it. It doesn't look like it was designed for television. It wasn't designed like Sawgrass was to host crowds. It looks like an actual private golf club somewhere. And I think it just added to the kind of majesty of that position or of that, of that tournament. I'm sorry.
0: Well, you bring up an interesting point there and and this is kind of where I want to go with this. I have an expert on the line here and his name is Donovan McGuigan. He's the superintendent at Springdale golf club. And as a superintendent, some of the commentary that you just mentioned there about Seminole, how it looked classic, but it had a modern feel to it in the way that it played. Is this the direction that agronomy is going in your field? You know, How much have things changed recently when it comes to golf course conditions? Because I, I get the sense a lot of times when I look at some of the more modern golf courses, whether it be a Pinehurst number no. two or the Sand Hills projects or Bandon dunes, it, it seems to be a trend that things are going to be more natural is is that something that you agree with? Or where do you feel like agronomy is going? In
1: regards to say like Pinehurst number two or an abandoned dunes, I think that the way that those golf courses look, I think fit those properties especially. But I don't think that that model fits for every single golf course that you would go to. Like, I don't think that you could take the way that uh, Pinehurst number two looks and then bring that to sea View. So I think that There's, you know, Pinehurst number two is a really great example of how that they found that with both a combination of restoring a classic design while also being, as I say, environmentally friendly is allowing, they're reducing their water usage by reducing the amount of maintained areas and creating more waste areas and creating that natural kind of rugged look. And I think that there's some golf courses where that look is almost perfect. And one of the big trends that I feel that I've seen in the last maybe five to 10 years has been the precision to which we're doing things now in the golf course industry. Um, You know, we've always been very, we've always focused on really minute details, but a lot of stuff, there's none of it was data-driven. And I feel that now suddenly golf course maintenance is becoming more data-driven. You know, when I go out on a green on the golf course now, we use a moisture meter that tells us to a specific percentage what our moisture is in the green. Where 15 years ago, we would be using a soil probe, using our fingers, trying to go based on a touch or a feel that we would have. Where now we're using data actually to actually drive those decisions right now. I mean, there's, there's advances in irrigation technology right now. There's advances in mower technology right now that we're maintaining turf at a higher quality than we've ever maintained it before. I mean, um, I I think, I think what we're going to see now is I think the precision to which we're able to do our jobs is going to start changing or continue to change at kind of a rapid pace now, I think too. I mean, I think it's more accessible for golf courses now too. I think that, you know, initially, you know, golf courses that could never, mow greens with a with walkers, having actual staff walk mowing greens that are used to doing triplexes, like you know, three riding mowers. Their riding mower advances have made it to the point to where those triplexes cut just as well as three walkers and stuff. So that can allow a course that only has four or five people to be able to maintain at a higher condition with less staff.
0: Well, I like how you spoke to the precision of all of this, and I, in order to be precise on this Friday afternoon, I got to stick to a timetable. So, I got one more thing I got to do with you that I know that everybody at Springdale and all my listeners are going to love, and we're going to do a little rapid fire Q and A. We're okay. going to have some fun with this to finish up for the day. I've got my typewriter out last night, and I typed up a couple of questions for you. So, uh, you ready for this, there, Donovan McGwigan?
1: Yeah, I've actually been excited to do this since
0: I've heard your show. So, this is all right. Oh, geez, somebody excited to. Do this, all right? That's a new—that's <laughs> a new concept for us. But uh, uh, Wade and I, we will roll with this. Okay, here we go. Would you rather have dinner with your favorite author or your favorite golf course architect? Favorite author. Last album you listened to? uh
1: shoot, it's a good question. I think it was the Westworld soundtrack. That's uh, strange, but uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> what new chore or task have you done during quarantine? That you may have never done before?
1: Uh, Walking my dog because I got a dog right before quarantine started.
0: (laughs) Favorite OSU athlete of all time? Archie Griffin. Do you prefer sunrises or sunsets? Sunrises. If you could ask one author to write your biography, who would it be? Ooh, Uh,
1: go with Walter Isaacson.
0: Name something on your bucket list that isn't golf related.
1: Uh, I'd like to hike the entire Appalachian trail.
0: Okay. Um, (laughs) that begs the question, uh, have you started yet?
1: Um, I've hiked 700 miles worth of section hikes of that over the last probably 15 years, maybe two to three miles at a time, sometimes like a five mile hike. I've done 30 mile trips out of that, but I've done about 700 miles of the 2,175 miles of the entire trail.
0: So you're a third of the way there. Yeah, getting there. Yeah. Yeah, get cracking on that, right? Okay. (laughs) Um biggest golfer pet peeve.
1: Uh not fixing ball marks.
0: Ooh, of course. All right. Well, your favorite craft beer?
1: Uh Dogfish Head (sighs) I gotta go with beer for breakfast. That's a great beer.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry say that again
1: there's dogfish head has a beer called dog or called beer for breakfast i haven't brewed it for quite a while but it's brewed with uh sausage and maple syrup i believe and it's a stout it tastes amazing
0: oh okay all right well (laughs) we'll have the fox sports guys look into that then (laughs) one more for you when you hear the words golf course what's the first image that comes to mind
1: I always picture like on the Masters, when they first cut across like the 13th green, you got the the flag waving in the foreground. You can see the azaleas and stuff in the background. Like that's when I hear golf course. That's the first thing I picture is like one of those opening pan shots of the Masters broadcast.
0: Well, you know what? When I hear the word golf course, I think of you because you take care of mine. And I can't thank you enough for doing that. I can't thank you enough for spending the time on Springdale Golf Live today. Donna McGuigan, you are a scholar and a gentleman. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, sir. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. What an awesome interview with Donovan McGuigan. Now, before I send you over to my Fox Sports counterpart, Doug Gottlieb, I've got to take some time and I've got to thank our most wonderful sponsors for all their support each and every week for Springdale Golf Live. And of course, that means TaylorMade Golf, the New Jersey Golf Foundation, Summit Golf Brands, better known as b Fairway & Green, Zero Restriction, EP New York, and of course, FH Wadsworth. It's a Memorial Day weekend there, Wade Weezer. Thanks for all you've been doing on the board these last couple of weeks. Appreciate it, and I appreciate those Springdale Board of Governors for their support and everything the Troon Golf Management does for the Springdale faithful. Most of all, thank my listeners. Well, you know what, folks? I'm headed to Springdale, but where are you headed? Well, let the tower be your guide, and from New York to Philadelphia and, of course, everywhere online, may you all have a Springdale Day. This has been Springdale Golf Live with Keith Stewart. Keith returns to the team next Friday afternoon at 3 on Fox Sports 920 The Jersey.